Hey, this is Greener Grass Podcast. We are your hosts, Carrie Wee and Kelly McVeigh. Love to send you a happy Valentine's Day. And today we have Major Alan Mitchell. We went to high school together, and at the age of 19, he enlisted in the Army and has been in ever since. He's currently stationed in Frankfurt, Germany, and we did a middle-of-the-night-for-him Zoom call, and I asked him all the questions, and it was a great interview. I'm so excited for you guys to hear it. Let's get started. Look at you with your super microphone. And, I know. <laughs> <laughs> She's two. She just turned like two plus three months. Okay. Yeah. Oh, my God. And she already knows how to work your phone? Oh, she's better at it than me. (laughs) I love it. You and your Ohio State shirt. You know, you spend a lot of time not in Ohio, but you're such an Ohio dude. I know. That's my school. It's where I graduated from. I I mean, I got it. I get it. I get it. I get it. Um, You're like bright-eyed and bushy-tailed drinking coffee. No, it's vodka. Serious? Yeah. <laughs> see? Yeah, yeah, I see it. No, you weren't lying. Because <laughs> it feels like the morning or it feels like the night? No, I just, I have a lot of trouble sleeping with my PTSD and shit. And, and I don't have my sleep apnea machine. So it's been kind of tough, you know, for the last couple of months not having my machine. Wait, sleep apnea, that's really dangerous, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what are you doing without your, your machine? If it, so I've been traveling a lot for like the last three months. I've been, I've been homeless for three months now. Oh man. Okay. So I've been living out of a suitcase and that sleep apnea machine is huge. Okay. So I didn't like, it was either suitcases or a machine, you know, and I needed clothes, (laughs) you know? So I had the machines, I had the machine shipped with my household goods. Oh, okay. And you just have a, you have an apartment there? No, I'm in a hotel right now. I haven't even found an apartment. I just got here yesterday or Thursday. Okay. I just didn't know how set up it was going to be. So that's what, you know, just trying to get situation. My sleep's been terrible for a while. And what's your, uh, what's your status now? What's your, I, I'm a major now. You're a major. Yeah. Major asshole. (laughs) (laughs) And what does that mean? Like functionally? Uh, it's like, I'm a, they call it a field grade officer. So I'm kind of like, uh, what would it be equivalent to it? Like mid-level management. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, of a fortune 500 company. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good, it's a good comparison. Yeah. I'm the HR guy for a unit of about 10,000 people. Oh, okay. Yeah. HR. When'd you get into Human. HR? Yeah, I know. When I switched over to be an officer, like that's what the army made me. Oh, okay. HR. Yeah. So you're, you're behind a desk most of the time. Uh, I hate my life. Yeah. Oh, stop <laughs> it. You're also traveling the world. I want to tell everybody about your life. So you're actually the first active military person for us on this podcast. Alan, Alan Mitch, AKA Mitch. We went to high school together. Yeah, back we went in to the high day. High school together. Yeah. 
high school together and we've been friends ever since and kind of like touch base every couple of years, have some years that we don't have some years that we do a lot. And Alan has been in and out of uh, different, different, you don't call them contracts. You call it, what do you call them? Tours. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. Yeah. Contract tour enlistments, you know, different things. Yeah. So he's, he, he joined the army in what year? 96. 96. You're going to age yourself, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we're zooming here today and he happens to be in Frankfurt, Germany. I had to do the math, what time it was, because it was very challenging for me to do that math. I'm not good at time zones, but I asked him to be here to kind of give us a perspective on what life is like for him. And, and I want to hear all about your career. I want to hear about like the nitty gritty and the dirty and everything. Ask away. Um, Yeah. So tell me how you started and then, yeah. Tell me about the beginning of the journey. So I originally went to Denison on a baseball scholarship to play baseball. And, uh, I went got, got out of the house. I was young and messed up and I partied a little too much and, uh, didn't go to class as much. <laughs> and so, um, I was given the opportunity to stay at Denison, but with no scholarship because I didn't maintain the GPA. And, uh, that's when I came in the army because I couldn't afford going to a school of that nature. Yeah, Denison was probably like thirty thousand dollars a year at that, at that time. time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and so that's when I, I, I came in the army to try and get money for college, and I thought it would just be like a little three years, and I'm done. And now, twenty five years later, I'm still here. What was your first experience being in the army? Like, what it feel like? What were your thoughts? So, to me, it wasn't that tough um, because. You know, I'd played football in high school and wrestling and, you know, I've done a lot of sports. And so I was used to the physical activity and the mental piece of, you know, just still working out when you're tired and still keeping, you know, having to go. Um, the hard part was just being so far from home. So I, I did basic training in Fort Sill, Oklahoma. And then in the dead of winter, it was probably the coldest I've ever been in my life. And you still have to be outside training and, and I'll never forget. And then I switched jobs cause I was field artillery. And then I switched jobs to change over to signal. And that's why I went to Pensacola, Florida. And that's when I was like, man, this army stuff is all right. <laughs> yeah. I, what made you think that? What made you turn onto it? Cause I had never been to Florida before and I got down there. It was like a whole different world. I had never been to a beach in my life. <laughs> like, so basically the beach was great that doesn't necessarily mean it had anything to do with the army right yeah and i was like right. no it was just it was just different locations and different atmospheres and it was the first time i ever had an oyster in my life you know and so i get down there and i always love seafood but and i i just experienced different stuff and i was like man if i can get stationed here where else you know is there a better place i can go where are some of the locations i can go Okay, so the travel bug got you. You yeah. like to you like to see the world. Yeah. Even even being field artillery, I was like, man, you know, I like the army, but I just don't want to be in the field anymore. You know, always out getting dirty and stuff. And and that's when I switched to signal. Explain that. Find, what's what's signal? So I was a photographer and a videographer. It was called combat camera. And you know, my dumbass. <laughs> 
you know, thinking I just want to get out of the field. So I go into a job called combat camera, not thinking I'm going to be in the field anymore. And I did, <laughs> I was in the field twice as much <laughs> as before. Right. Because you were a photographer and this is when I first yeah. learned of you being in the army. And so you would get dropped into different locations where there's a war zone and you'd have mm-hmm. to take pictures. So yeah. did you have to have any photography experience for that job? So that's why I was in Florida. I was in Florida for a year learning photography Oh, okay. Yeah, I and was there for school. Do you have any stories from that part of your career where you're taking pictures that you remember that stood out to you? Uh, I not really just taking the pictures, but a lot of it is reflecting on the pictures and the locations I went to. Um, and because I've been, I've been all over the world. I've been over 35 different countries and you remember the locations, the people, the food, that kind of stuff. Okay. But some of the early piece, like you're talking about, was in, in Bosnia. Because when, you know, back then it was still dangerous. We were, you know, people were getting blown up and shot and stuff. And we were getting shot at. But when you're out there working, you don't think about the danger. You're just there to work and you do your job because that's what you're trained to do. But when you get back to the office and you're editing photos or video and you're like, holy crap, what did I just see? You know, because your brain is turned off to it. You're just working. So that's that's probably one of the, the earliest memories I have. So Bosnia was like a war zone when you were there. Oh, yeah. Back. Yeah. OK, that's what I think. That's yeah. what I think. You, you mentioned at the beginning. At the beginning that you suffer from PTSD. Is there is there a particular event that Hi. you feel like caused that, or is Hi. it just overall? Hi. Uh, there, there's certain there's a Hi. couple events that probably Hi. caused it, but a lot of it is just you know repeated, repeated, repeated you know events you know that just added to it. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, you know it's, it's what you deal with. It's part of the job, you know. I mean, unfortunately, is it, do you feel like it is part of the job for everybody? Okay. Um, no, not for everybody, because everyone has different jobs. Okay. okay. And like with the with the job I was doing. Okay, so it's kind of part of the job, but so how long do you feel like you've been suffering from that? Uh, it's, it's been a while. It's been a long time. Like ten years, fifteen probably, years. Way, yeah, probably about fifteen years. Like, is it uh, particular events where you're like, okay, you saw something so inc- incredibly crazy and you yeah. type of thing, or is it sounds? Is it. So you're talking about like triggers or what, yeah. what do you mean? Positive? Yeah. Yeah. Triggers okay. and what caused it. Okay. So. Okay. Okay. It's hard. To, it's hard to really tell because <laughs> you we, we don't know. I've been, I've been in therapy for a long time, so. And we don't know what the actual trigger was, but we just know it's there. Okay. Um, but, but there's a lot of, uh, you know, no, now I have reoccurring effects. So that's part of why my sleep is so terrible, too. Yeah. Reoccurring effects. You have to explain that. I don't know what that is. What does that mean? So it's just like, you know, you may be having a good day and everything's great. And then all of a sudden something happens and you're just like, bam, still motion, can't move. You know, Um it just like it and it may only it may only affect you for like 30 seconds or, or okay. whatever okay you know but then there's times where you're just you know i got you got to sit in a private room for a while just to calm down and figure out you know like get back to get your heart rate down 
So I, I struggle with anxiety a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, just, I think I have a chemical imbalance. I think over time I've realized Uh I'm a little Uh, unbalanced and it's a little bit hereditary. So what does it look like? Does it look like what I would consider a panic attack? Does it, is it like shortness of breath and like heart rate or is it just like, is it a headache? Is it a migraine? Like, what does it end up looking so like? It's, it's kind of like all of that. I wouldn't say the headache piece. The headache piece is different. That's from concussions. But um, <laughs> but it's it's kind of like, you know, hyper uh, vigilance. You know, sometimes you just go in the complete defense mode. Um, and then sometimes it is like a panic attack from from what I understand panic attacks are. But, um, you know, it just it, it's different for each situation. And everybody, you know, responds differently. And, and so there's really no one way to describe what it is. Okay. Okay. Do you, do you feel like it affects you a lot or is it like, you don't think about it very much and it's not a big deal. <laughs> where is it on the, where is it on the um, spectrum of really so affecting because, your life? Because of my uh, treatment and therapy, um, it's actually gotten better, Okay, but there, there, you still have, you know, times where it affects you. You know, if I hear a loud noise, like a car, car backfire or something, you know, you just, you know, it'll startle you for a second and you got to yeah. figure out what's going on and you go into, you know, so it kind of, you know, everything's a different situation. Okay. And then you said headaches. So have you had a lot of concussions? Yeah, I had a few. From- I'm probably... Uh, between, you know, high school football and, okay, yeah. you know, and then being blown up. I can't tell you how many times I've had, you know, bombs go off near me and that kind of stuff. So, you know, it, you know, the brain's a little, I call it, I call it Swiss cheese. <laughs> 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 yeah, I got my Swiss cheese up here. <laughs> yeah. Cause my, my memory is completely like screwed. Yeah. You know? Oh, you like drop these bombs like and like you expect me. I don't know if you expect me to like just pass over like it's not a big deal. Oh, I have concussions <laughs> and yeah, it's not. I'm saying it's not a big deal, you know. Well, I mean, it is. Would you say I think the statistic that I've heard is that only one percent of the population of America is in the military. Is that about right? It sounds about right. Sounds yeah. about right. So basically 1% of our country is doing the work for all of us. Yeah. And in your case, for many years of your life, it's your career now. And I think for that reason, it is significant that you now have PTSD, you have sleep problems, you have concussions. Your life is very much altered. Yeah. Because of your job and you do that in service to all of us. But the same with your job, you know, like you dance. So I'm sure your knees hurt, your back hurts, you know, and that's but it's not, but I mean, being a dancer, that's like super narcissistic job. <laughs> no, but I'm saying every, <laughs> it is. every job, every job has problems that come with it and lasting residual effects. And it's just like, you know, I jumped out of airplanes for 15 years and like, that's going to beat your body up. Do you love doing that? No, I freaking hated it. You did? But you didn't have I, like a high for just even a second? No. Never? No, I, I hated it. But so, okay. So you remember when, when we were young and I lived in DC, 
right? And we yeah. lived in D. Yeah. So I had I had that Honda Accord. My Honda Accord was two hundred dollars a month car payment. And the army said, hey, if you jump out of airplanes, we'll give you $150 a month. <laughs> all it took you to say yes. And I was like, sign me up. I'll jump out of airplanes. Oh, my God. You're such a cheap date. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And so I was like, sign me up. Let me jump out of these airplanes. And I'm afraid of heights. I don't. And I don't like flying. So, <laughs> so like, in my mind, I was like, if I'm jumping out of the airplane, that means I don't fly as long, you know, I'm in the plane and then I'm out. <laughs> but, but that makes no sense because you don't know where you're going from where you're coming. Like that makes no sense. Yeah, exactly. And not knowing that means I'm going to be flying way more often than I normally would. That was when you were in that photography job. Yeah. It isn't the same. It is not the same. Yeah, you could make an argument that the that people need art and you're providing that service to the public, but it's not the same. Like what I do is highly narcissistic it's to get enjoyment for myself and no. it is a and job I, for you it is a career but you're still in service of all of us and you're in germany right now have you ever been to germany so i've been to germany multiple times uh probably for a, like total combined time is probably about three years that i've been in germany but this is the first time i've ever actually been stationed here and lived here and had my own house oh have yeah. you walked around and stuff yet uh, yeah, we went out in town tonight. When you when you called earlier, we were out in uh, Wiesbaden having dinner at a at a local German pub. So was it like sausages and kraut? Like I assume. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're being so racist right now. <laughs> no, I'm not a racist. I'm messing with you. Um, no, but that's what I assume, and that's so yeah. that's so elementary no, of me. It's so basic. No, so. No, a lot of places uh, do have sausage and kraut, but it's not the big thing. The big thing is like schnitzel, you know, the Jaeger schnitzel and, and chicken schnitzel and all that. What's a stuff. schnitzel? So basically it's like a, uh, it's a piece of beef, chicken, or pork, just pounded out real flat and fried, you know? Oh, okay. But like the sauce they put on the top is what makes it so delicious. Is that your favorite thing when you're there? Oh, hell yeah. But like, I can't. <laughs> I can't eat it because if you eat that, like you're putting on weight, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like you're going to put on some kilos. Can you please rate your favorite cities in the world based on food? Ooh, tough one. Um, I don't know about cities, but I look, can I say country? Sure. So Thailand was awesome. Okay. Great food. Um, Germany uh, is another one, but it's very fattening. You're going to get huge. You have to eat a salad now and then. Yeah, you have to. <laughs> um, Italy was amazing food. Oh, oh my, my God. God. Oh my God. The food in Italy was fabulous. Those are probably my top three. Okay. Um, I was really disappointed in France though. Really? Because everybody talks about French cuisine and like everything I ate there was just kind of, eh, okay, it was good. Okay. But it wasn't <laughs> yeah. like blowing your mind. No, it wasn't. Yeah. And how do yeah. people, I mean, this is a, this is a very wide open question, but how do people like not treat you guys when you walk into a different city and different restaurant? And it's obvious that you guys are American soldiers. 
every every location is different depending okay. on depending on their experience with the U.S. military. Some places you walk in and like you're treated like a king, and they're like, "Oh my God, Americans, sit down here. We take care of you." Right? Yeah. And then some places like, "Oh, you stinking Americans!" <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you, you get little different responses, you know, and and a lot of it too is how many Americans they have there because everybody watches Hollywood. Okay. You know, so they have this picture in their head of what America's like. And so if you don't get a lot of American tourists there and you come there, they're like, Oh my God, you're, you're so rich and you're famous and fabulous. Like, no bitch, I'm broke. <laughs> <You know? laughs> what are they expecting Tony Stark to be with you or something? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. Like that kind of stuff. And, okay. Oh, we love America, you know, that kind of stuff. And some people are like, oh, we hate Americans, you know. So you get you get different responses everywhere you go. So do you feel like you haven't retired yet because of the traveling piece? Because you enjoy the travel? No. So technically, like right now, I'm supposed to be on retirement leave. Okay. Okay. But the, the army dangled that carrot in front of me and they were oh, like, they're hey. like, one more job. They were like, hey, we'll, we'll uh, promote you to major, you know, because I was supposed to retire. And they're like, we'll promote you to major and we'll send you to Germany because I've been wanting to come to Germany for like 20 years. Ah. Was, you know, so but like I wake up in pain every day, like my knees, my back, you know, like all kind of issues. And I was like, I don't know if I want to take it. But when you sit down and do the math, because every promotion you take as an officer, you have to you incur three more years from the day you promote. And so that was like, I don't know if I want to do three more years, but then it, you know, when you do the math, it's like, okay, I'll stay in <laughs> and I'm going to Germany. Like who, you know, cause I lived in Turkey. I was stationed in Turkey. And, and that's when I was like, you know what, I'll do it. What's three more years, you know, in the, in the scheme of life. Well, and you're, you're relatively young still, you know? Yeah. I'm only 44. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so. But you're in a desk job. So when you say your body hurts, et cetera, yeah. this job in particular is not going to necessarily make you hurt more. No, no, no. But it's the, it's the being a paratrooper for 15 years and going to combat and being blown up. And, you yeah. know, okay. that kind of, you know, so like my body is beat up and that's what, that's why you retire from the army at 20 years because you go through so much pain and so much rigor on your body. And did you go through physical therapy? Oh, constantly. Yeah. Constantly. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. For what? Like, tell me all the places on your body you've been to physical. So therapy I tore my Achilles a couple years ago. Wow. And, okay. And like that put me in physical therapy for almost six months right there, just alone, you know? And then I have week, uh, I would say weekly or bi-weekly. I used to have just for my back. So I would go through uh, chiropractic and acupuncture Okay. So it was like one week was chiropractor. One week was acupuncture. Boom, 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 boom. You know? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Hips, shoulders, so, knees. Yeah. All that good stuff. All of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you remember when I got blown up, right? And so. I mean, I had, kind of, you, you got to tell the story yeah. for our listeners. So I anyway. had, no, I, of course I got to tell yeah. it. So I had shrapnel in my eye from a grenade. And, you know, after that, I ended up having laser surgery. And so that this was like kind of in the infancy of laser surgery when that happened. 
And so now I have real sensitivity to light. So anytime it's really like summer day, bright summer day, or if it's winter time and there's snow on the ground, I have to wear sunglasses because it like gives me huge headaches because of all the, the light going in. But nowadays you don't have that issue because they perfected the technology and the laser surgery. Oh yeah. Laser surgery is like, it's, it is like 20 years of mm-hmm. technology and innovation. Mm-hmm. How, how does it feel to have shrapnel in your eye? <laughs> so for the first six hours, I didn't know I had shrapnel in my eye. Okay. So it wasn't like, Oh my God, <laughs> stabbing pain. So we got blown up and then we had to go back into defense and, you know, defend ourselves. And you don't, so you were on, you were on fight or flight. You weren't. Yeah, exactly. And then once everything calmed down, I was like, damn, my eye itches, you know, I didn't know what was going on. (laughs) You know, and, and I go to the medic. I was like, doc, do you have some eye drops? You know, my eye hurts. And he looks at my eye. I was like, holy shit. (laughs) It's like, you got metal in your eye. And so he was like, how big, like the type that he could like tweezer out or you can't do that. You have to have surgery. So he was trying to tweezer it out. You know, he was like picking at it. And each time he would pick at it, it would just hurt more and more. I was like, God dang it. (laughs) You know, so so I ended up having emergency surgery that night, you know, to to extract the, the metal from my eye. It was it was just like a little sliver. But. Think about your eyeball. A little sliver oh. is huge. You Are know? you kidding me? An eyelash? I'm dying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, yeah. it feel like an eyelash. It feel like a knife. It feels like probably like yeah. a, you know. Yeah. So, so you spent 15 years in combat. Mm, no, not that much. I have seven deployments. I think two Bosnia, two Kosovo, two Afghanistan, Iraq. Yeah, seven. And how many times do you feel like, okay, you could have, you could have died that day. Jesus Christ. I couldn't tell you. Oh my God. Like You couldn't even like, count. If, if I was a cat, I would be dead. Cause I've used all <laughs> nine of my, I've used all nine of my lives by now, you know? <laughs> you know, Alan, you're one of these people in my life that I take for granted that nothing's ever happened to you. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. you're still sitting in front of me, you know? Yeah. We've had like high school friends pass away and yeah from other things and you you are like a cat you just land on your feet i'm telling you i don't know how i do it i don't know how but i'm still here like and i look at it like allah has a purpose for me and you know so maybe there's a reason i'm still here so every time you take a new contract Mm -hmm. i'm assuming there's people that you know and people that you don't the people that you're working with and they just get younger and younger type of thing no, they don't get younger and younger. It's like you you, st- you stay with people of your rank. So it's not like they're getting younger because your peers are, are about your age, you know, so it's not that hard. It's your subordinates that keep getting younger and younger. Okay. Are they the same as you were? Or do yeah. you feel like, yeah? I, no, no. Th- well, I, I'm not one of these old curmudgeon dudes who is like. Are you sure you're not? <laughs> You know, that's like, I hate these millennials. You know, that's not me because some of them are the best workers you ever had in your life because they're so technically sound and they just go to work and they go to town. And then some of them are like that stereotypical what you hear as a millennial, like, oh, woe is me. And all you did was stub your toe on a dining room table, (laughs) you know, 
<laughs> well, actually, you're talking about Gen Z now because Gen yeah. millennials yeah, are already like in their 30s. Yeah. So it's that kind of thing. I'm like, you know, some of them are great workers and I love them to death and they're, they're hard chargers. I can't train my soldiers the way I was trained because I was prepared for a world that isn't here anymore. Which is? A world of, you know, just constant danger, combat, ready to fight in a jungle. You know, that world's not here anymore. So I can't train my soldiers for that because like the environment that we're about to go into or that we're, we're preparing for is completely different. Characterize what, how you think that's evolved. Is it because it's a digital world more so where are we a safer world actually? No, I think we're safer as in, you know, body count. Yeah, I would say so, okay. but it's still way more dangerous because now everything is tied up in the digital area. So, you know, like even your bank account, your Bitcoin and all that, it's all digital. So if you have the best digital capabilities, then you can destroy your enemy without even firing a shot. Yeah. The world that you were fighting in years ago, it might've just been more dangerous from, a. I don't know. Like I, I listen to podcasts. I listen to news. I feel like people are dying everywhere. Civilians are, are dying everywhere. There are, and there's still dangers. Like right now I'm on, I'm in Germany. I'm basically, you know, you know what's going on in Russia and Ukraine. Like, yeah, you know, there's there's potential hostilities there. It's, and I'm I'm kind of on the front line. So you, we never know what's going to happen. When it comes to Germany, you know, we have military all around the world all the time. Yeah. Does does that posting and the, all the people that are there that does that have to do with that Ukraine Russia thing? Or is it just that's no, where you have no. to be sent? So we, we always have people here in Germany ever since World War II. Yeah. And that, okay. you know, that's one of those things that's not going to end. Um, and it, it is for national defense, NATO defense, yeah. you know, because we're one of the key nations in NATO. We're, we're always going to be here. And it's, it's really strategic for us. How much do you get involved with the, with the politics that's going on? I stay away from all that. Okay. Because, you know, as an active duty soldier, as an officer, you know, and as human resources, I just need to be uh, apolitical and just, you know, focus on the job at hand. So fun. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, exactly. It's no fun. <laughs> now, that must be challenging, but it also makes things more simple because, you know, the politics here is really quite complicated yeah. at the moment. And what do you feel like is like, is it in the culture? Has the culture always been the same? Has it changed within, within that dynamic of being in the army? You know, like I, I know what the culture is like in my industry. What is the culture like? Yeah. You know, the, the military has traditionally been Republican because Republicans always give pay increases to the military, <laughs> you know? And so, you know, it's one of those things, but, um, I don't know how to say it. There's, there's been a lot of change recently, you know, and okay. I think it's part of the digital age because people are getting more information and, you know, it's, yeah. it's just out because it's not like when we grew up, when you had newspapers, you know, now you have, you have Google and you have, you have internet, you have Facebook, you got everything. So you're getting your information easier and faster. And so people are making more, you know, decisions for themselves. Yeah. And do you feel like because of that, the job that you do is more transparent to the world? Like you can, you know, 
more people are able to see what you do versus, you know, I know there's stuff on YouTube. Yeah. There's video everywhere now. Exactly. Is this a good thing? I think it's good and bad. Okay. Because it's making people do the right thing when some people did bad shit. Um, like okay. if, if you remember uh, when we went in Iraq and you had the Abu Grabe, you know, um, when people were taking videos of, you know, the prisoners, you know, so it's, it's actually making people do the right thing and be, you know, honest, trustable soldiers that we're supposed to be. I think that's true for just everybody. Like, you know, you can be yeah. filmed yeah. Doing, doing stuff on the street. Exactly. You know, so it's, it's making you be a stand up character, but you know, in national defense side, it's also bad because, you know, stuff that you want to keep secret is, right. is it's like much, on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. It's on YouTube. It's easier to get out. It's easier to get that information, you know, which can be used by our enemies. Have you learned to speak any other languages since you started this? Yes and no. So I speak about 10 different languages, but I'm fluent in zero. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You can get away. You can get away with it. Like you can ask for food in the bathroom and. Exactly. I can get a taxi. I can get food, you know, that kind of, I can get back to my hotel, you know, that kind of thing. I know enough of like 10 different languages to get around. And some of them, like I've forgotten until I'm back in that country. Like I was in France uh, two months ago. And I hadn't spoke French in, you know, 15 years. And when I was back in France, I heard some words and I was like, oh, I know what he's saying. You know, like that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, it keys back into you, you know, it's like it's like always there in the brain. You just never used it. So, Alan, you've never been married, right? Mm -mm. Hell no. I'm too young for that. But a lot of a lot of people in the military are obviously and they have families. So have you just decided that you want to be a free bachelor? Yeah, that's basically me. because um, so I was engaged. OK. And then I got sent to Bosnia. And then when I came home, it's like I was a stranger in my own home and it didn't work out. She just wasn't ready to be an army wife, you know. And that was a long time ago. And I focused my like from that point on. I was like, okay, I'm just going to be single till I'm out of the army and, you know, and our lives can match up. Plenty of people do it, but it must be really challenging. Yeah. I mean, I think from the woman's perspective too, if, if it happens to be in that case where, you know, your husband is, you know, it could be the opposite as well. Yeah. But, um, I can't it imagine, is. you know, cause you have to make these, these are big life decisions and mm -hmm. it's huge. Yeah. And some people do it and they're great with it. And, and some struggle with it because, you know, these women had, or, or even husbands too, when you have a wife in the, you know, in the yeah. army. Yeah. And so, you know, it's, it's a hard decision. And I even have friends who's, they live here and they leave the family at home, you know, so you're, you're separate, even though you're married, you're separated for a right. year, year, two years at a time. Yeah. You know, that makes Tough, but it's one of those decisions you have to make, especially when you have children. Like, are they in school? Do you want to uproot them out of the school and put them somewhere else? You know, it's it's tough. If you were to go back, what would you do differently, or would you have done anything differently? Ah, good one. I don't. I don't. I don't really think I would have done anything differently. Okay. Because I've I've seen the world, you know, a kid from you know suburbs of Columbus, Ohio. Yeah. 
Uh, I've gotten to go out across the world and eat food in different languages and meet people, you know, all over the world and, and just explore, you know, stuff that, you know, and I have friends at home, like I was just home for Christmas and I have friends that have never left Ohio. Yeah, we both do. Yeah. So I would have, I, I wouldn't change it for anything. And you, you feel like you still connect with those people pretty good? Yeah, absolutely. Because I know where they're from. We're from the same area and we speak the same language. You know, it's just, I speak more languages now, <laughs> you know, but I, I completely understand where, what's going on, you know, and I know the culture. Where would you say is the friendliest place in the world? Truthfully, it was probably, it was probably Sweden or Denmark. Oh, really? Man, I'm telling you, those people were so... Now, don't get me wrong. It's expensive as hell up there. Oh, my <laughs> God. It's expensive. But, like, they were just some of the coolest people and, you know, welcomed you no matter what. And they were very friendly, and I love them. I've never been to either one of those countries. I've traveled quite a bit, but nothing close to, I think, your passport. <laughs> yeah, I had to get a second book because it filled up. But it's, it's been an adventure. It's been a lot of fun. I'm glad you're doing well besides all the little things. Yeah. That's a, see, you got it. Yeah. They're just little things. Well, you also have a really good outlook on it. I, I don't <laughs> think, I, I don't think they're small, small, like, you know, <laughs> if they affect you on a daily basis, they affect you when you go to sleep. So you have sleep apnea. So you developed that. You didn't have that. Just I developed it over time. It's a, you know, breathing issue. Right. And would you have developed that had you not been in the army? Most likely. Who knows? Okay. Okay. Yeah. So basically sleep apnea is really serious because if you could stop breathing in your sleep, right? Yeah. Yeah. So how do you, do you just and not I, sleep for very long stretches of time? Is that how you deal with it? No. So I didn't even know I had sleep apnea. I had a, a girlfriend who, you know, I would go to sleep and she would wake me up like, Oh my God, get up, get up. I was like, motherfucker what's the problem i'm trying to sleep <laughs> and she's like you quit breathing <laughs> you know so she would wake me up all the time and she was like you need to get checked for sleep apnea because and I, I thank her every day because i we're still friends you know yeah. she's re, she's married now and everything but we still talk and and like i thank her every time we talk because you know who knows what would have happened if it just kept going undiagnosed yeah i mean that's terrifying for the other person well, not even that, but I was like, what are you doing watching me sleep? Like, I thought that was creepy. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh but, but, but who knows? Maybe she saved my life because I went and got tested and they were like, oh man, I was like on the extremely high spectrum of sleep apnea. Do you have to maintain a certain physical s standard? In oh, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah what do you have office? to do? Is it like, do you have to like pass a physical test? Every, yeah, whatever. Every six months. What does the physical test in include? So we're actually going through a transition in the army right now from the army physical fitness test to the army combat fitness test. Okay. Uh, so the, the army physical fitness test, what I've had for the whole 25 years is two minutes of push-ups, two minutes of sit-ups and a two mile run. Okay. Okay. And there's different standards on how many repetitions and how fast you have to run. And now they're switching to an army combat fitness test, which is like five different events. I can't even describe them all to you. And there's like, 
And it's supposed to simulate things that you go through in combat, like picking up your friend if they're injured, you know, throwing weights over your head to get it over a wall or stuff, you know? So like each event simulates something that you have in combat. And, and that test is no joke. It's a smoker. What if you're like, what if you stayed in the army and, and like just kept on going up the ranks and you're at your 65, do you still have to pass the same test? Yeah, you do. So you have the same test, but the, the standard changes on your age. Oh, I see. Okay. So like, I'm not competing against like little 21 year olds, <laughs> you know, like I'm competing against 45 year olds, you know, <laughs> got it. Okay. There, there, there's different brackets. So after you're done in Germany or when, when it comes to like, when it comes to retiring, yeah. do you know where you want to be? Do you know which city you want to live in? Yeah. You so live? I, what do you want to do? I need to go back home. I got to be close to mom. I've been gone for a long time. Okay. And your mom is still in Columbus area. Yeah. So okay. it's, it's, it's time to go home and take care of the family. They're not getting any younger. I was home for Christmas and you know, my nephew was born when I was in basic training. And so basically his whole life, I haven't been there, you know, so I, I need to go home and reconnect with the family. Okay. You know, you don't have a house in, in Ohio because yeah, you, have have two to houses. you do. Do you just rent it out yeah. or do you just yeah. do they sit there? Oh, okay. No, my, my, my fam, my family lives in one house and then I have renters in another house. Oh, smart. And I'm looking, I'm trying to buy more, you know, and I want to use that as my retirement plan. Smarty pants. <laughs> yeah, I'm nowhere near as smart as you. I'm no doctor. I'm not a doctor. Are you kidding me? I thought you had your doctorate. You no. didn't finish? No, oh. no, I just have my bachelor's. Really? Because no, I have my bachelor's and then I moved out here. Okay. I moved I out here when I was 23. Yeah, I, I thought you finished your doctorate, though, in, like, choreography or, you know, art. No, 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 no. no? Okay. Um, I, I would love for you to reimagine my resume like that, and I'll just go with it. <laughs> I love that, like, when I talk to you, it's like, no time has passed. Exactly. That's how you know when you have a true friend. Yeah. Okay, last question. Yes, ma'am. If you were to give any youngsters out there advice on if they're thinking about going into the Army. What would you say? I would say the military is a great path, but you got to be ready for it because it's not for everybody. Like we talked about earlier, it's only basically 1% of our country, um, you know, and you got to be ready to listen and you got to be ready to, you know, con I wouldn't say be a yes man, but you got to be a conformist. And you got to be prepared for that because you're going to learn stuff that you've never gone through before, but it's a, it's a great opportunity. Um, if you take advantage of it, because there's a lot out there that, that the military can give you what, no matter what service you're in army, Marines, air force, you know, there's something out there that you can, you know, make a true life out of it. Out of all the youngsters, out of all the youngsters that you ever meet, what percentage do you think is actually a good fit? I'd say probably about 50. Okay. Because okay. It, I, I was a, I was a company commander at basic training. And so we had 300 soldiers, you know, recruits come through and train them. You know, I hate to say it, but you know, we had to, 
you know, I would kick out probably about 10 to 20 people every basic training cycle because they just couldn't adapt to the military life. And it's understandable. Like we said, it's not for everybody. Right. Yeah. Or some people become a good fit, I'm sure. Exactly. And like, I probably wasn't the best fit either. You know, like who knows my drill sergeant probably thought like they wanted to kick me out, you know, but I just kept driving, you know, just working, you know, and now maybe I am a good fit. <laughs> maybe I'm still not a good fit. I just, <laughs> maybe I no. just refused to quit. <laughs> I don't know. No, I doubt it. They wouldn't be giving you promotions if you weren't a you good know? fit. I don't know, man. I've seen some people, <laughs> you know, one of those things you get promoted. It's like, just because you stuck around longer than your competition. <laughs> <laughs> you well, <know? laughs> I want to say, I want to say thank you. Thank you for everything. Aww. Because uh, thank you. that 1% is doing it for the 99% and yeah. the 99% don't. Um, I, I feel like unless you're touched by closely touched by the military, if you have kids in the military, if you have family mm-hmm. members or friends, you know, that sacrifice kind of doesn't affect your life. It doesn't affect my yeah. life on a regular basis. Anytime you need me, I'm here for you. Okay. You. All right. We'll talk to you later. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks so much to Alan for being up in the middle of the night for this interview. We had so much fun talking to you, me and the bean. And, uh, Thanks, guys, for being here. Find us on Twitter at grass underscore podcast and on Instagram at Grand Rev Creative. You can always email us, Carrie, at grandrevcreative.com. Thanks so much to Asa Watkins. And we are now sending newsletters out twice a month talking about what we're reading, what we're doing, what we're up to, and um, links, more links to our guests and to the interviews. So check the show notes for that link and please honor us with a five-star rating and a review anywhere you get your podcast. It really helps other people find us more organically. And thanks for being here. We really appreciate you. This is Greener Grass. What do you think about all these TikTokers out there coming up with these stupid ass dances? um okay on one side dance is a language and it's a love language and it's wonderful that it's that whenever it's popular in any form number one Uh number two yeah tiktok it like it dumbs down what professional dancers do and so what i actually get more irritated with is when the thing is, is that we're all trying to create content all the time. All of us artists, mm-hmm. so like a lot of professionals do TikTok and they do very well and they're getting all these views, but it's just like to see like a professional dancer dumbed down in a TikTok video is kind of irritating. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because then you watch the real videos of people actually doing choreography and it's like, it's so intricate, you know? Exactly. And it's so complicated. Yes. And I, and, and, you know, from knowing you and knowing what you go through and how hard you practice and, you know, how much you focus on it. When I see these videos <laughs> of just like, you know, somebody just shaking their ass and like they do the whole knee kick up and slap their knee thing. And <laughs> like, what the, I'm like, that's not dancing. Like, I'm so like it. 
it makes me mad for you, you know, and the respect for what you do for your art. Well, I have to say that it might feel different if I were younger in my career, because Mm -hmm. what I got, because I was just earlier, I mean, I have students now who are in aerial class and they're also dancers. They just don't have the same opportunities I have. They're not going to have the same career. My career was everything. I did everything. Yeah. Yeah. I did everything. There's nothing left on the table. Maybe they'll barely work and maybe they're way more talented than I ever was. Really? But there's something about the people who just won't go away. Right. Like, (laughs) it's like, you got to wonder sometimes if you're, if you have a long career, just because you won't give up where other people give up earlier. And there's something to say about that because uh, of course I'm talented, but yeah, you're was, highly. But I, I love. But I see a lot of dancers who they're you know I'm like twenty five percent talent, and then everything else I bring to the table is like seventy five percent. Whereas mm-hmm. I see some people and they're like ninety nine percent talent, but then they don't bring oh, wow. anything else to the table. Like they're mm-hmm. that good and they're that talented, yeah. but it's a job after a while. It's a profession. Yeah. You there's a lot around it. You know. Yeah. You, know, you got to do all the things, and talent's not just gonna. You know, talents, everybody's talented. Yeah. There's not one person who moves here to, to pursue dancing. Who's not ridiculously yeah. talented. So what's going to set you apart? It's not the talent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like people have to want to work with you. You know, you can't be yeah. impossible. <laughs> you can't be a diva. Yeah. And then also yeah. be 21. I mean, no one like that's, <laughs> that's obnoxious. And some, some people have gotten away with it, but over, over time, it butts them in the ass. Like, like we say, you got to earn your stripes. Yeah. And you can tell when somebody's super green. Does it bother you to see these people making like millions of dollars on dumbass little TikToks, you know, no. or are you, no. or you just give them credit? Like, Hey, what's up? You know? No, I'm not, I'm not that focused on it. And I feel like mm-hmm. there's, there's in every single industry, there's a certain portion of people making crazy amounts of money on YouTube, like gamers, mm-hmm. et cetera. Yeah. Like even when it was like, so you think you can dance all that stuff. I never really paid a lot of attention. I'm kind of the same way as you. Like, I'm not going to hate on what you're doing. You know, I want to see everybody shine. Like, let's all get paid. Yeah. And, and at the end of the day, like, we don't really do the same thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. if if you're like, if you've gone viral and you have TikTok views and stuff like that, that's Mm -hmm. not the same thing as per, pursuing like a you move somewhere i mean some of them i mean i'm sure a handful of them but it's it's not really the same track you know like to be in an industry and to work in it for that long you know that's that's Mm -hmm. something they'll do for a very short amount of time and then they're gonna have to move on to something else 